testing, testing. Terry is here from Bake Your Own Death, and this is uh, DJ Aisha from Sounds from the Street. How's it going, Terry? Really good. Am I talking in the middle of mics or this one? Or that uh, one? Let's, let's test. Test, test, Hello, test. hello. Yep, perfect. Hey. I found it. I'm great. Just drove out through the hailstorm. <laughs> you survived to tell the tale. I did, so far. <laughs> awesome. So tell me uh, what you've been up to musically. Um, right now, we are in pre-production. We're trying to do a new record that'll come out around March or April. Mm-hmm. So we started recording a little bit, but uh, we're really just writing and kind of you know pre-production, meaning like we recorded ourselves and kind of listen back and see the arrangements are good, this and that. Um, so that started in about halfway through November, and then December is kind of like a just a screwed up month for everybody to get together, and so we're getting back into it heavy like next week. Next week. Is that when the real new year begins? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll have some shows coming up in uh, February and March. Mm-hmm, We're kind mm-hmm. of like working them out right now. Hoping That's... to do a noise pop show. Oh yeah, that'd well. be awesome. There's a couple good ones in February. I saw. I was like, wow, it's like venues that I've been to, but it's like back to back. So I'm like, wow, I'm gonna be going to the Indie, the Bottom of the Hill. It's, you know, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, it's always cool. <laughs> They tend to um, surprise me each year. Like, you know, you always think like, oh, this is, that's just going to be the last year. It's not going to be cool next year. And then mm-hmm, they end up mm-hmm. putting together some good shows. Yeah. What's been your favorite venue to play in San Francisco? Well, I'm a little old school. And so I definitely am still a Obama Hill person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love playing there. I love the staff. I love the feel of the place, the sound. But, you know, we'll, we'll play Rickshaw Stop. Um, we uh, used to play... Um, the hemlock a lot. Oh, I miss that like, place. You know, I have like some of my best times there. It's a real bummer to see that go. Yeah, it was such a great spot. You know, if you want to go to the bar, if you want to see a show, just walk yeah. a couple steps. <laughs> and it was so visceral and small, like mm-hmm, the shows. Mm-hmm. We had this crazy show that we didn't realize was right in the middle of SantaCon was going on. So they oh, go down God. Polk Street. Yeah. So we go on stage and our crowd's there and it's like maybe... 40, 50 people mm-hmm. wasn't that big. And then all of a sudden the place just fills up with hundreds of Santas and it was just packed. People couldn't move. And we were like just pressed up against the back wall on the stage with just drunk, obnoxious Santa Clauses who, you know, for all intents and purposes, I have no, uh, sympathy or sympathy oh, yeah. for, but they, uh, they just made the show crazy. So we were like surfing literally on the, on the hands of like guys dressed up like Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> I can picture it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, didn't they? So I think this year they canceled it, but then they somehow brought it back and it was based at Union Square. So it was kind of like it was still happening. I really know nothing about it. Yeah. Just like this was just, you know, we were on stage and they, they came in. It could have been, they could have been dressed up like, you know, rabbis, it, it, whatever it was, it was just, it happened. Yeah. So question for you, do you, it sounds like you celebrate Hanukkah. Do you also celebrate Christmas? I do. Um, we don't really, we don't really do either one properly or, yeah. or religiously for right. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I do got, uh, kids and they, uh, like, uh, Christmas. I mean, like taking Christmas away from American children seems to be a, a form of torture. Yeah. And I have a lot of Jewish friends who would, you know, slap me in the face for saying that. But mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, the whole Hanukkah thing is, is ritual and cool, but it's not like the, the magic thing of like the big fat guy coming to your house and leaving all these presents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we do them both. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I got to celebrate both once, but then I was like, I want to do it every year. And my mom was just like, it's all about Christmas. That's all I care about. So it wasn't really up to me. But then I'm slowly, slowly bringing it back with the menorah and the chocolates and the dreidel and all that stuff. It's cool. I, I, don't, I mean, if it was up to me, we'd probably do nothing. I'm, I'm like, you know, that whole just show dog yeah. and pony show yeah. thing. It just it makes me insane. Yeah. But at least we don't shop anymore, right? Nobody goes to the malls anymore. No, they don't. I I do because I kind of live in that neighborhood, unfortunately. So I'm like, well, you know, nobody's going to be out, so I'm going to go out. That kind of thing. Yeah. But um, no, you're totally right. Retail is just dead, completely dead. Um, yeah, for, sad. for better or for worse. How are you feeling about Amazon these days? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's a love hate thing. I, I, I don't really know what to think about the overall takeover of the world, but yeah. I've seen it take over bookstores and record stores in yeah. a way that is, mm-hmm. um, it's just a super loss, you know, like right. I was just walking out 24th street on the way here and 24th street still has like, you know, you got, uh, versions of the same bookstore and mm-hmm. then um like three or four record stores and it's so cool and that is old 90s san francisco to me yeah the rest of this town is the, it, it's you used to see these places just get hollowed out and gone yeah i used to just spend time in record stores just thumbing through and of course that's coming back now with vinyl. right mm-hmm. but just thumbing through stuff and actually like discovering things that i had never even heard of just by looking at the album cover and like looking at recommendations from the staff and that kind of stuff I don't think people do that. You know, I, I, I actually teach eighth grade, so I have like 13, 14 year old kids in my class. Mm-hmm. I don't think they know what an album is. Oh gosh, you need to bring one in. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they don't know the concept of having like a, a, a theme, you know, running through a piece of music from start to finish. It's just like singles and singles, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. compilations. Right. That's, That's a bummer. It's a loss. Yes. But definitely if you're able to one day like bring in an album and if it's somehow educationally based or appropriate, then you can All right, I'll do it. widen their perspective. It's going to happen. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I mean, I went to school in the nineties. I was, was I in eighth grade in the nineties? I was, um, that's how old I am. But, uh, yeah. And even back then, you know, records, you kind of didn't talk about it unless your friends or your parents were, were doing it sort of thing. But I'm glad that it's, you know, it's coming back um yeah well just like as a as an artist you know you used to think about the concept of an album and like you know, what's gonna be the first song what's gonna i mean if you were actually doing vinyl you would think about well, what's gonna be the, the first song on the b-side mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but just like to lead you through a, a movement of music um i don't feel like people are doing that anymore i mean i, I know some i mean the ocs are doing that you know mm-hmm. people are doing it but it's it's small it's a, it's a very niche thing and it's, you know, it may not be in San Francisco. It may be on the other side of the world, somewhere in Europe, like Norway. And you would only know about them through the wonders of social Black media. Metal. That yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go to Norway. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good connection there. But I think, do you think with technology, it's kind of like a, a double edged sword where it's like, Oh, it has some good things. Like you're, you're branching out and you're getting the word out there. But then on the other side, it's less personal and it's less, you know, about yeah. your, I mean, I, I used to feel like, you know, uh, everybody's complaining about technology is like the old man complaining about the baseballs on his lawn and just like, you know, doesn't want to see progress, Yeah. but I, I don't anymore actually mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. especially with social media. I mean, we've all seen that to just be crap. Like, oh yeah. That has done nothing good for the world. It hasn't. Um, 
Horse shit, I hear from the galley. So, you know. To each their own. (laughs) I try, I don't know. I I mean, like, even in my classroom, I I try to keep technology out as much as possible. It's it's not the way that it's going now. Everybody's going the other direction. But, you know, there's these things called books. Right. Thumb through the pages. Mm -hmm. You get spaghetti on them, and then you go back and you get the story (laughs) of the spaghetti on this page. You destroy them. Or, like, in the good old days at the library. I think libraries are still around. The card. Nobody's getting paid there right now, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Even, yeah, on, on school campuses too, right? I, don't, I think schools are run by the states for the most part, but it, it's like all the, you know, the, the public libraries. I actually I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> that, it's, it's crazy, but apparently the shutdown is like the longer that it's happening, it's really just going to affect all of us eventually. It's kind of scary. It's making this little mini man so just frightfully alone and all by himself and it's it's it would be hilarious if it wasn't so tragic yeah that's true uh you know he came out and said that he's willing to like dig his feet in for years on this you know like it's just ridiculous it really is i agree um but it's exciting to see you know people in congress like having a different attitude and hopefully um they're gonna do some of the things that they said they were gonna do to get elected so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I loved how, um, wait, what's her, Cortez? Ocasio-Cortez? Yeah. How they tried to smear her with this video where she's dancing, and it's like everybody loves it, and it's awesome. <laughs> I love it, too. You know, the only tragic thing is the, the dudes in the video are just lame, but, they, but she's right? awesome. Yeah, I was like, girl, were you in Flashdance? Because yeah. what's going on there? <laughs> uh, who wouldn't want someone who could dance in Congress? Right, you know? right. It's it's positive energy. It's it's not, you know, on its way out. Uh, some of those people might not be around very long <laughs> in terms of their lifespan, yeah, literally. that's the hope. Um, so that's, yeah, gives us hope. But anyways, back to the music. Um, so you're planning a couple shows here in the Bay Area. Where can people find out more about you guys online? Um, we, you know, we're on everything, all the social media stuff or whatever. But also, uh, we have a Bandcamp page, which mm-hmm. is which is the one that I actually control that has like you know update stuff. Um, like I said, uh, you know, December was sort of this month where everybody shuts down, and so. Um, I think we're going to get organized and figure out those shows by the end of, you know, the next week or the week after. Mm -hmm. Within the next two weeks, we'll have shows up there in San Francisco. And we're going to go down to L.A., probably Portland. We're talking about doing um, a festival out in Iowa City called the Mission Creek Festival. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never been there. It started here. There was a Mission Creek Festival here. And the guy who ran it, or at least one of the guys who ran it, moved to Iowa City. And it's, like, much bigger there. It's turned into this huge thing. Uh uh So we did it once before. It was really fun. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So where is it now? Iowa? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm not, you know, I had no reason to ever be there other than this festival. But, but when I went there, it was like cool. It's like a really, um, it's a big writer's college there. And so everyone there is really literary. And it's like there's all these uh, readings going on at the same time. So you can be in a building and somebody's reading from their, their new novel. And then right mm-hmm. next door is like full on punk rock. Oh, nice. And w- what's the college called? Oh, shit. Oh. Iowa State. I feel the Iowa State. <laughs> Well, now I have a reason to check it out if I'm ever in the area. <laughs> and how did you make that connection to go out there? Uh, like I said, we played the Mission Creek Festival, and uh, a good friend, Andre Perry, oh, okay. who runs it out there. So, mm-hmm. um, he plays in a band called The Lonely Hearts, who um, we've played with a bunch of times, too. Like, we're, we're close. Very cool. And who would you say are your biggest influences, musically or not? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like it it moves around. Like you know, the the story of Fake Your Own Death is um, a lot of different evolutions because it actually came out of my band Elephone that we did like the early aughts. I guess it was like two thousand three or something, two thousand five, mm-hmm. maybe I can't mm-hmm. remember. And um, but basically, um, you know, my listening range uh, was really uh, tied to Sonic Youth. I really, um, growing up with Sonic Youth and just watching them evolve and, and listening to all the other iterations of the side projects and all of that, even their label, um, they were a big influence on me. We also, you know, of course, we have a lot of, you listen to us, you'll hear like Echo and the Bunnymen and Jesus mm-hmm. and Mary Chain mm-hmm. and um, more brooding sort of like Cure stuff and like that. Like, oh, yeah. Like definitely like a mixture of sort of late 80s early 90s stuff have you heard of a cure cover band called just like heaven no but that sounds like a cure cover band. Like they were there. really good they played at the fireside lounge in alameda because oh, cool. i'm going to alameda more often these days but um yeah they were super good i was like are you sure this isn't the real cure because he yeah. i remember the lead singer he kind of got into character trying to look like robert smith and he walked by and i was like this is gonna be insane <laughs> It's a real living doing that, you know, yeah. like being a, like actually going into character and being cover band, mm-hmm. um, you go to mm-hmm. Vegas and all that. It's nothing I would ever do, but no. I, I do appreciate the art form, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And have you seen some of those bands live? The Cure and I never, you know, I never saw The Cure. Um, when, by the time I was old enough to go see them, they were just so overblown stadiums and that, that's just, wasn't my thing. I was yeah. like, I like the small little dirty clubs, Yeah, but, um, I would, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. even now I would, if they were coming around and, and somebody gave me a backstage pass where I didn't have to watch <laughs> them from the sea of heads. If I could watch oh, them from the gosh. side of the stage, I would. Yeah. Cause I think they played, they played a couple nights at the, sh- at Shoreline, right? Yeah. In the Hollywood Bowl. And People I who went, so they're all gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed out. It was like all my friends went and I was the only one that didn't go. Cause I was in LA doing something down there. And I was like, oh, they'll be back. I think 2019, they're going to be playing a couple festivals. This yeah, year. I read that too. That's cool. So that'll be dope. And um, are you writing new music as well? Um, are you going to be releasing new material this year? Yeah, I mean, we um, so we put out an EP 2018 around May, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a string of EPs. We've done um, three EPs in a row. And we sort of got to this point where we we're like, you know what, let's make a record again. Like, let's make a full a full-length album mm-hmm. and after playing a whole bunch of summer shows and whatnot um we started writing it and the our process is pretty slow because we like to like i said we like to record it first and then and then pick it apart and then re-record it and pick it apart um you know play it out live a little bit and pick it apart mm-hmm. so i would say we're about six songs in to what will be a you know like a 10 song lp we're still writing. So we're still writing pre-production and actually recording too. We started recording one song um, called Doing Crimes, Crimes, <laughs> which is actually a, uh, interesting because when I, I live in Pacifica now mm-hmm. and I rented a small little shack. And when I first moved there, it was right on the real close to the beach. It was all overgrown with weeds and everything. And um, we had to like get all the stuff out. And my wife, hired this like young guy to come and cut it all down for like 200 bucks. Oh, wow. And she paid him up front, you know, that's something you never do. And he just took off. He was just gone and he never came back. 
And so, you know, I try, I got, I'm like, I just moved to this little tiny nowhere town and yeah. already I got ripped off. So I tried to, um, find this guy. I'm calling him, I'm emailing him, mm-hmm. not get back. Mm-hmm. So if I finally get like all nasty about it, I'm like, I'm going to post things online. You know, don't hire this guy, this and that. Finally, some guy gets back to me and he says, Hey, this kid's name is Elliot. He's like, you know, Elliot uh, is in rehab. Like he has a major uh, meth problem, and his parents committed him, and like this and that. And I was like, ah. Then I felt like crap because yeah. I smeared this guy, bro. Right. So I wrote a song about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good story. Not gonna lie. Uh, should we listen to one of the oldies but goodies? Sure. Uh, how about bombs don't show up? Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, let's see what we get.
the lessons that we have to teach our children. <laughs> How's that going? It's really good. I, uh, I was, I haven't heard that song in a long time. I was just thinking about it. It's, it's, uh, it's gotta be five years old. Oh, really? More. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Like an early iteration of the band. Really? I don't know. It like brings me back to like a better time. It does. <laughs> or it's, like it's very sort of like has that dance punk sort of mm-hmm. 90s feel that was going around for a yep. while. But um, that drummer, actually, the drummer there, like that is so good at that particular beat, yeah. is the drummer from Every Move Picture. Oh, so he, I remember uh, that. Dan Francisco. Uh-huh. And like, as far as I'm concerned, he invented that beat. Like, like he's, he's got that, he's playing like a, a drum machine. <laughs> he's a human drum machine. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> And um, how did the new formation of the band come together? Well, um, I think it was three years ago now that um, I spent some time in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I went out there for, um, I was actually studying the fall of communism on, <laughs> nice. on the, the dime of the American government, which is another story. Uh-huh. But the, uh, I wrote a bunch of songs out there and I came back and I just didn't want to do them in the same sort of way that Fake Your Own Death was was working songs and this I wanted it to sound looser I wanted it to sound kind of more garagey maybe and so um, I met up with um, Scott Eberhardt who's my drummer right now mm-hmm. and he and I started playing and we started playing with different um, bass players a couple different guitar players um, and uh, we finally settled on um, Izzy, Izzy Chavarine and uh, Jimmy Chen and you know Izzy was from The Frail and Jimmy's from uh, 100 Days Mm-hmm. Both of them just total seasoned players, and um, it, we just started playing shows immediately. Like we we, we recorded those songs, and we put them out actually under a different name called El Terrible, which is like my nickname. <laughs> and because we thought it was gonna be a different band, but we soon realized that it's really the same band, just a different lineup and different style. Mm-hmm. So we brought it back into the Fake Your Own Death umbrella. Mm-hmm. And how do you how would you describe the music in terms of how it's evolved? Compared to what we just heard, I just think it's a little bit more. Um, I don't know what they're. I mean, it's we're definitely still in that sort of moody sort of realm, mm-hmm. but um, all of the, the synthesizer sounds and all that have kind of taken the back seat to just more guitar, like just more rock. Um, we're definitely um, you know live. We're, we're we've always been really dynamic and really loose, and not necessarily like sound like a. A machine. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always, you know, I never wanted to like play with click tracks or anything like that. You know, even though I love a lot of those bands, it's just like our stuff is just a lot more. Um, it has like a, a kind of a grungy feel to it. Like I said, mm-hmm. like I, I listen. Did I say this already? Oh, the, no. I, I basically was like raised on Sonic Youth, yes. and so like I, uh, I just felt like you know I wanted to go back to that feel. That, that, yes. That's how I first started off. That's how even Elephone first started off. My my band that was going on a long time ago um and so i just want to go back to that feel yes and i hope that music does in general i mean it's great that we have all this technology now but can i point out this board is from 1982 yeah got a game of pong on the top of it right (laughs) it's had better days but hey um those things are built to last forever yeah and i think it was like found on craigslist or at a garage sale or something like over 10 years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we inherited it. 
that's wonderful. But, um, you know, we've got an up-to-date mixer. We have, you know, computerized stuff going on. But I think it, it's interesting how, you know, bands like the Foo Fighters, like they were kind of, you know, becoming bigger and bigger, but then they decided to re- start recording their albums in the garage using right. analog. Do you feel like that started a new trend? Yeah, well, you know, John Vanderslice and Tiny Telephone kind of uh, been doing that forever. Mm. And that's been a huge influence over the whole San Francisco music scene as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And even when they're running things through ones and zeros, it's mm-hmm. all going back onto these analog tape machines right. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, I think that's a sound. You know, like I did a whole record with um, doing that. Like, where you know, the first Figure on Death record was actually done in a, in a big studio, but it was all through... Um, all on tape machines and then you know into pro tools and back on the tape machines Mm -hmm. and it makes it sound different i know that they can you know everyone tells me that you know pro tools has gotten to the point now where it can kind of do that sound without actually doing it and maybe that's true but it's sort of like uh you know listening to something on a on a record player versus a cd like it's yeah i I hear something different and also it's you know if you have limitations in the studio you, you record differently like you allow there to be more space and you don't necessarily try to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was really cool. You know, when I was growing up, like we used to do recordings on four tracks and like make the most of it. And, you know, recently our, our last EP we did, we recorded, um, in a, in a rehearsal studio with just like two mics on the drums and just use really good compressors and stuff. But the whole thing was just, um, real lo-fi and, and that <laughs> gave it a, a feel that I think is really kind of, urgent sounding it sounds sounds really like um like there's the space the space is collapsed between like the listener and the and the, and the music itself mm-hmm. yeah that sounds awesome and in terms of this new material that you're recording is that more not in the rehearsal studio but like in the pleasure of your own home <laughs> yeah i <laughs> mean convenience. we haven't totally decided i'm i'm actually working with a couple of different producers right now and um the uh, one of them is our uh, our studio mate, you know, her studio mate. That uh, he's got the whole setup in there. So we used to, we are mm. doing stuff in there. We're also doing stuff out in um, East Bay, mm-hmm. and so um, we're gonna figure that out. But I don't think we're gonna go for a, a hi-fi sound for sure. We're gonna keep it kind of organic sounding. This might be a weird question, and you can take it however you want to take it. Are there still bands? in san francisco like based in san francisco or is it pretty much like outsourcing now so i i my new year's resolution was to not talk shit about other bands anymore. <laughs> but the uh, or you know here we go or, you know fan or san, we I, go. I, i've become really like kind of bitter but the uh the reality is um i meet i, I know bands that live in san francisco i mean like uh my drummer lives in san francisco mm-hmm. um it's just people that are scrappy. They figured out ways, like you know, you were telling me you still live here. Yes. And people have figured out ways to just keep, hold on to their apartments, yes. and you know, secret studios off Cesar Chavez is still rocking in there, and it's always full. So there's bands here for sure. Good. But there's also a lot of bands that are popping up from um, this whole the whole Silicon Valley takeover, and you see them because you'll go to bottom of the hill, and they have a full lighting rig with lasers and like all this stuff, and you're like. Wow. You're like a, this little baby band is just opening up for us. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's like they've invested, you know, twenty thousand dollars in this whole system, what? and obviously they have, you know, somebody in the band has a big salary, 
and this is how they that was that was their starting point you know they started with technology and then went to the music interesting i uh i never had that approach like i still don't even write songs on the computer like you know every, most bands these days just record you know tracks mm-hmm. on the computer and, mm-hmm. and then overlap them and then they come up with a song that way Wow. I still do it with the band, the live band, and we, we write that way. And then, so we don't bring it to the technology until it's pretty refined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I guess I haven't experienced that because I'm mostly going to see, you know, bands like you or, you know, some of the bigger stadium shows or at the Warfield. But I get what you're saying. I mean, sometimes the the opening acts, they have the synthesizer and they have the whole, you know, theater performance. And you're like, wait, I'm here to see the damned. What's going on? Oh my God. I want to go to that show so bad. <laughs> I you love, didn't go? I tell you, I love the damned. In my original bio, I wrote down that that was a huge influence. And like, everyone's like, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, the damned were so good. <laughs> They're still really good. Um, I went, I saw them when I was a teenager. And then I, I think when I moved to the Bay Area. I'm not from here originally. I saw him again, and then it was like a period of eight to ten years went by, and I was like, they're still around. I'm going to see them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had older friends. I, we all worked at this golf course, and we used to just kind of hang out there all day and not work. And I had a lot of older <laughs> friends who uh, mm-hmm. used to go into L- and I, this was in L.A. Mm-hmm. Used to go into Hollywood, and um, The Damned was like one of the biggest bands they'd always talk about so i was always super like turned on by the clash and the damned and all all these british bands that are coming over Mm -hmm. the good times who else did you see (laughs) ever in my life the sex pistols no i never saw like like the oldest thing i saw is who's could do i was super young but i I got to go down to um i think it was the roxy actually um with some friends Mm -hmm. and it was either like an 18 over show or something, whatever it was, I snuck in. I had some kind of fake ID and I was able to, um, (laughs) to see them and Mm -hmm. it blew me away. And the the awesome thing about it is just two years ago at noise pop figure on death opened for Bob mold on the bottom of the hill. Oh yeah. He's coming, right? Bob mold. He's coming again. But Mm -hmm. last time we played, we, we, we opened for him and, um, And they actually, and it wasn't Bob Mould, it was Sugar. Remember that band Sugar that they did for a while? Mm-mm. After Who's Could Do, he, did a, he had a project called Sugar, which is Sugar. just like two albums, I think. And they, they played as Sugar. And they played the whole record, um, like their, you know, essential record. And it was amazing. It was just as amazing when I saw, as when I saw Who's Could Do. That's amazing. Are there any good shows coming up that we should know about? <laughs> Yours, um, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, when we book them. <laughs> Um, TBD. You, you know, I've been kind of out of it, but I, I know that we were trying. We, we last year, maybe it was two years ago, mm-hmm. we played with Gang of Four when oh, they came through. They're so great. The yeah. new lineup, and even is though like... it's just the guitar player, right? And it's kind of weird to see like a very young guy like singing the song. Like it's it's not you know, but he he sounds just like him, and it's uh, they're still great. They're and that, still, that's like in yeah. a couple of weeks. We, yes. Yeah beginning of February. It's funny because I was lucky enough to see, I think maybe one of the last tours they did with the original lineup Mm -hmm. when I was in, I think I was in high school. No, I was in college. And then when I moved here, you know, there was another period of five to 10 years and then they like came back, came back. And then I was like, Oh, I got to interview them. And I got to go on the tour bus and talk to him, talk to Andy. And then the guys were like brushing their teeth. They were just like super chill, like laid yeah. back. He still is, you know, like yeah. we were hanging out. We played at uh, the new parish in Oakland. He was like, where do I get something to eat? And I'm like, oh, let's go walk down the street. <laughs> you know. I know where to go. 
That's amazing. I mean, that's it's kind of rare, but it still exists. Like people will just, you know. Well, also, like you know, he's you know, in a sense, I guess they're cashing in on their celebrity from twenty years ago. But yeah. the fact that he's still doing it, mm-hmm. and you know, still just like um, really working class about it, and yeah. just like like when I saw Peter Murphy, it's like the same thing. It was like. Even if he's not traveling with an entourage and play, like he's playing these small little places. Like mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. Did he do the chapel thing? Did that ever happen? I don't know. I don't think that happened. I don't think it happened because he got immigration issues, but he had played oh, uh, yeah. in Oakland before that. It was just cool just to see this guy who's probably 60 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, banging it out like he was just a, a, a band playing in clubs. What happened at that venue, though? Didn't he get arrested? Oh, yeah. That, that's in <laughs> Europe somewhere. Hey, the class with a sound guy? Something moronic. I don't know. Something something happened there. Um, I did want to see Echo and the Bunnymen. I saw them a couple of years ago, and it was great at the Regency. Yeah. But then I didn't make it to the show at the Masonic. It was like on a Monday or something. I don't yeah, know what exactly. happened. I had seen them before that at the, um, whatever that, what's that, winery, Mount Winery? Oh, yeah. I went there, yeah. too, this last year. And, uh, you know, a friend had was able to get us to go be able to hang out on the side of the stage and back. So it was, I was so excited. Like, I love this band. And uh, Ian McCullough was just so drunk. And just oh, so God. drunk. Like and, and, like, literally had a bar on stage with him. So, like, every time he wasn't singing, he was back at the bar. And just sort of, like, you know, barely singing and kind of mumbling through the words. And wow. So I don't know. That, that was just my experience. That's crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was, uh, it, there were some moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. I was disappointed on the overall experience. Bummer. Uh, well, anyways, here's to 2019 and some great experiences. Yeah. Um, any uh, New Year's resolutions that you want to share with us? Yeah, I, I just in general, like, I'm tired of complaining about what's happening in San Francisco. Yeah. And, like, I, I feel like every conversation ends up there. Yeah. And I just want to stop doing that. Yes. I just want to, like, be more present and, like, what's what's great about it still and being in the moment of it. Mutiny radio still kicking exactly. it. Exactly. I don't Look know how we're place. doing it. How are we still here? But we are the story of this place too, <laughs> as an actual employee mutiny. Yeah. Over the guy who was running it. It was like, yeah. ripped everybody off. Or, I mean, this is a great story. It was. And I literally started here like right as that was, as that was taking place. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. <laughs> But I'm, you know, I, I rode through it as, as long as I could. And, you know, and we have better management now. Cause, yeah. you know, it's, now, this neighborhood is still great, you know. Like, yeah. I used to live right by the J&B and hang out there, Omotate, um, you know, Good all stuff. the coffee you could drink in the world. And then you got 24th Street, which is still old mission. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, 24th Street has changed. It's restaurants and that, but it's right. so eclectic. It really and is. It's still so Hispanic, and it's, it's awesome. Did you ever go to Papalotes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still there. Yeah. I just. That's like a, yeah. that, that's almost a franchise now. Yes. Like he's places. got. But I do love two it. Two of them. And then yeah. he's, he's starting to do a food truck now. Obviously I'm a fan. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I just, I think I'm more wary of, or more aware of where I'm putting my money at. And I try to like support those people, right. cool. you know, cause. Is that your resolution? What's yes. your resolution? My resolution is be healthy be happy, um, be open to, you know, trying new things, having new experiences, all that boring shit. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I also want to stop losing things. Like I lost my glasses two days ago. No. I'm walking around with sunglasses on 24 hours a day. I was like, is he okay? 
What's going on? It's, I mean, like I feel like I have to explain it to every everywhere I walk in. I'm getting a cup of coffee, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing sunglasses. It's it's ten at night. I get it, but it's, I lost my glasses. So. Wait, are they the the reflection or the ones that change during the day? What are those called? No, no these are just straight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. They, I know what you're talking about. Splendor. No, these are just my sunglasses, but they're prescription, so I can wear them. So nice. I'm basically just waiting it out till I can get a new pair. And those those aren't cheap, from what I've heard. Nope. Fingers crossed for you. Should we play another song, uh, an oldie, or did you want to play something for us? Um, why don't we play another song first? Yeah. So I tune up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to play something? Uh, are you asking me what song to play? Headphones is on the the list. Mouth to speak. Tijuana. <laughs> um, why don't we play um, Mouth to Speak? Because that's a uh, that was like our original sort of like breakout song. Nice. Mouth to speak it is. See you. 
going into the next song. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> yeah, so how did those songs come to be? What was the songwriting process like? Well, we're going back to the beginning of the band. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I had met up, so I've been writing, I was in a band called Elephone, mm-hmm. and we had this long, like, really gross sort of, like, implosion um, after we had gotten a record deal. And it um, just like got sour. Everybody got mad, and it just it, we just had to get out of it. Yeah. But in in that time, I, I kept writing. I, I had written a lot of the songs for Elephone, and I kept writing songs that I just wasn't ready to to share with that band because I was so like kind of bitter about it. So I had all these songs. So then, um, as soon as it broke up, I got together with a drummer named Dave Lentz, and um, he knew another um, kind of multi instrumentalist named Keith Ensign. Mm-hmm. And we, we put together this three-piece band, and we started recording. We started recording with a producer named Sean Beresford. And um, oddly enough, he had access to a studio inside Peter Getty's mansion oh, in wow. Heights because um, Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye oh, yeah. lived there. Oh, nice. And <laughs> so Sean had access to it because he was managing the studio. And so we'd go in there at, like, midnight, uh-huh. and we'd take over the studio, and that's how we recorded it. Uh-huh. And uh, we did, you know, most of those, those songs are just like quick takes, but they um, it took a long time to do because we could only get in there when it wasn't being used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of a, a nice backstory. Is Peter the son of John Paul? Or the I grand guess so. Son? I think he's like the black sheep of the family. I, I was there once when he threw a party uh-huh. and it was nuts. It was <laughs> like, I mean... I'm not, to- I shouldn't say anything, but I, I think, it, <laughs> but the things that were going on there were like, uh-huh. it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. It definitely was. And he, uh, he just sat in his room the whole time, like Great That's Gatsby. Interesting. Because the studio was right across from his room. So I saw him. He never came out, never like, you know, walked Something. around and talked to the guests. I feel like there's a lot of mental illness with people who yeah, have many rich so. families. Not sure what the parallel is there, but sounds like it was a hoot. It was <laughs> but the uh, the experience was great, and I, I still um, Sean mm-hmm. and I still talk a lot now, and we're uh, talking about working together again. So it's gonna be awesome. That's amazing. So where do you see the band going over the next few years? You know, I mean, the whole idea of world domination is sort of like flown for me. Like I <laughs> I, I used to really feel like this is, this band, you know, should be um, doing everything. Mm-hmm. Like we should be mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And that was our attitude. And, um, but I think over time I just sort of like got to the point where I just don't want to market or sell or process or buy anything. And I've sort of like, we've kind of kept it sort of like as this, um, small community sort of, uh, we're going to do everything ourselves, you know, village mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. atmosphere. And so where it goes is, is just, we're just broadening the circle. We're just bringing more people in and we want to do a tour of Europe. That's, that's our plan for this next album. Like we do the album and then we'll do a, a European tour. Um, but it's not in place yet. And, um, you know, as far as I know, we're going to do some festivals and play regional tours. Um, but we just keep going, you know, it's, it's like a, I can't like, even when I think like, Oh, maybe we should give it a rest. Like something always keeps us from leaving. We always come back into it. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like lifers. Yes. I think that happens here at the station too. I'm like, oh, do we have to keep doing this? <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, like I got into this festival and now oh, I got that interview, you know, like little 
bits and pieces here and there. I'm like, yeah. well, that's why I'm still here. Like if I wasn't getting anything out of it, why would we still be doing what we're doing? Yeah. And it does get, I mean, like, I think a lot of people get discouraged, you know, mm. it's, especially the whole industry is like lost way to monetize most of like, um, at least indie rock. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. So I just threw all that out. Like, I just don't care about any of that. Anymore. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now I, I only do it for the purity of like writing, recording and playing and, and that's it. I have other ways to like, you know, take care of myself. Woohoo. Amen for eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, I didn't choose eighth grade. <laughs> that chose me. Oh, were they like, you're being punished, so you get to do the last year of middle school? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great school. I actually have awesome students. It's a progressive school. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just a cool job because it gives me a lot of freedom in the summer and like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. other times to work on music. And it's a very creative job, you know, teaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm actually, like, writing a piece right now about how we framed teachers as these people who are martyrs and that's like the wrong way to do it because you're attracting the wrong people mm-hmm. teachers should be like artists they should be cool yes it should be seen as a cool job um and it is it's like it's just framed by society in, in that way so you know i don't code shift between being you know dude in a van driving up to portland <laughs> to being in the classroom discussing you know plato it's the same same person Wait, Plato or Play-Doh? Both. Depends on the day. <laughs> you can talk about Play-Doh's forms with, with Play-Doh. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I miss school, but then other times I'm like, I can't stand this. Yeah, that's Espe- the problem. Like, our whole school system is, like, one that everybody's <laughs> like, school sucks, let's get out, you know? Yeah. It's like, and it's not always like that in other countries. Like it, it doesn't have to be that way. In Europe, uh, or is it uh, UK, they get, like, a gap year after they, before they go to college? Something like that. Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I would have benefited from that. I mean, I kind of did that for a summer, but I think it would have been great to do right. that for a year. And also, like, if you didn't go into massive debt to go to college. That too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll never pay off my college loans. Really? And the reality is, like, uh, my wife's German, and it's like, if uh, we'd been in Germany, or, you know, if she would have stayed in Germany and grown up there, mm-hmm. she would have gone to college for free. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Yeah. But um, I think now, if you live in, if you're a resident of San Francisco, community college is free, right? I heard that. That's awesome. I know they're trying to do it in New York, too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I got pretty lucky. I got to go to school for, I got to go to community college for free, and then I got grants for um, college as well. But that's only because I had one sole parent who was the provider. So that kind of worked out for me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... The idea that community college should be free for everybody is yeah. like, it's just an obvious thing. That's what Bernie Sanders was running on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's so great. I mean, I, you know, as much as I get down about San Francisco sometimes, I do always remember that this is such a progressive place. Yes. And California is such a rebellious state right now. Just being from California is badass. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it. Keep, keep on keeping on, as they say. Um, are you going to the Women's March? <laughs> Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you an invite. I have Uh, to, uh, start reading uh, newspapers again. I like been on a two week break. I've just been like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's other things. I have to say during the holidays, I didn't, my, it's funny. My, I was, uh, in Los Angeles where my family is and they don't have a TV. So I was just not watching CNN. I mean, I had my phone, but it was like, I felt like I was cut off. And then when I came back, I was like, Oh God, here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> I tried to purposely cut myself off because I didn't go anywhere. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to have like a staycation. And yeah. because I live down at the beach now, I can kind of like, you know, really feel like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Nice. Just read books and working on music and stuff. So I tried to stay out of it. But how, how, what age did you feel like you wanted to do that? Like just kind of go away from it all? I, I, you know, it's always been up in the air. Like even when I moved to San Francisco, I was living in um, Silver Lake down in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And uh, I was playing in a, a, a punk band called 12 and Counting at the time. And we, mm-hmm. uh, we would tour through here all the time. And I was like, oh, I, I love, you know, all of Northern California, but I don't want to live in another city. So I was going to go to Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I was like, Santa Cruz is kind of like this, like, hippie town with yeah uh, i shouldn't say that but whatever it, it was it didn't fit for me and then so then i came up here and i actually lived in the tenderloin for right a couple of years mm-hmm. um and what, were, what was the question my question <laughs> oh, when was did I that, that yeah I when did out. you decide to I just kind of you know like i said I, I lived in the mission i lived right on the corner from here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um we just got priced out you know and then through the school i worked at um somebody heard about this house that was up for rent and it was a little too much for me, but it was like, it was on the beach in Pacifica. I'd never been to Pacifica. I was like, oh, I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. And I went down there and the house was okay, but I loved the location. There was a trail right from my front yard. It goes all the way up to what's called Maury Point. It's just okay. like this cool little spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Let's go back and talk to the guy. And so we talked to him and I'm like, oh, well, we can't really afford the rent. He's like, how much can you afford? I'm like, well, this is what I'm paying. He's like, okay, but you got to sign now. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, <laughs> we have a cat and you said no pets. He's like, fine, sign now. I'm like, we haven't oh even God. told our like landlord and, and mission, but we did it. We're just like, fuck it. We just signed it. And then we came back and we told our landlord, she's like, hell yeah, I'll have a party and double the rent. So it was like, no big deal. So we just like, so it didn't really, it wasn't a choice so much as it was just a thing that happened. But now I really like it. There's Good. a cool little punk rock bar out there called Winters. I've heard of it, Winters Tavern. Yeah. A lot of That's bands play it. there. You got Winters, you got a, a Grill, Taqueria. Ooh. Um, nothing else. I might have to pay a visit <laughs> <laughs> when it gets warmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a busy uh, couple months. Like there's just a lot of events happening. Um, you know, uh, Noise Pop is going to be happening, so that'll be good. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Have you heard, have you heard of a band called Monochrome Set from the? It 80s? was a band called Monochrome. Mm-hmm. Monochrome mm-hmm. Set. Yeah, know. they were kind of like obscure. I want to say alternative '80s because they were definitely not popular. But I don't know. I've kind of been into them over the years, and then all of a sudden, I saw they were like actually touring like the state. So I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I'm go. I'm really curious, like how it's going to be where's that, live. Where's that show? It's going to be at the rickshaw stop on March 8th. Oh, awesome. So definitely yeah, I'll check it out. recommended. And, um, did you want to play another song? Yeah. Can we try something off the EP that came out last year? Um, or you is it on right? here? I don't know if that's on here. Yeah. Oh, wait. El terrible, El terrible. No, it's uh, after that. It's called, um, uh, shortest poem. Hates to lose. It's like a big kind of like, Flaming monster on the cover. Maybe it's hidden from view. <laughs> this song, We're All Just Children, uh, just children. was just kind of came out of a jam in the studio. Like, I'd been listening to a lot of Nick Cave at the time.
time. And um, I went and saw the show at uh, the Berkeley what's it called? Oh, Greek. Yeah. And it was like life changing. Was it? it was like going to, you know, the holiest, holiest, holy place. <laughs> and I mean, he's this old guy just like jumping in the audience, grabbing people by the throat and singing down there the, the, into their faces and scaring the fuck out of people. <laughs> And, it. um, it was awesome. And so, um, I wanted to just do a song kind of in that spirit. That's mm-hmm. a little bit kind of, uh, of a trance and it's a sort of a, just a story. I see. I'm just going to think somebody's trying to sh- shove the microphone down my throat. How's that? Good. Okay. That's the effect we want.
was a nice one. I feel like this is stuff I, sh- I should have been listening to. So now I will. Well, like this EP kind of eked out this year and, um, you know, it, it got reviewed here and there, but um, we didn't really have a label um, this time around. And so it, it sort of like came and went, which is um, sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. uh, it's still alive. Like we're um, still playing those songs. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Nice. And um, so hopefully you'll be doing some shows in February. Yeah, I mean more more March probably, but March, it, 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 end of February, beginning of March. I mean, people are still filling up their calendars, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's still the it's, rest uh, of the year. You know, there's a lot of like good shows coming up, the independent and stuff that yes. we, were, we were looking to to get sport slots for. So. Do you like the coat hangers? Yeah. I really like them. I went to this festival. You probably remember it, Potrero del Sol. Oh, yeah. They don't do that anymore, right? They don't. So I think I went to the last year that they did it, and I was like, whoa, this is like, I wish all festivals were like this. Well, it's like also right here, right? It's yeah. like the skateboard park mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. It was so organic and yes. you know, not commercial in any way. Yes. Um, it was great. God, I miss that. Those guys, um, what's their blog site called? Barry Bridge. Those guys did it. Oh, yeah. okay. I but should follow I guess, them. I think they just lost a lot of money. I can imagine it's expensive to get like the permit and all that yeah. stuff, right? Oh. I'm thinking in Iowa, it's probably a lot easier to do that. Well, the Iowa one's more like noise pop. It's in multiple venues all over the city. Oh, neat. So um, I don't know if they're making money, but I mean, it's it's probably cheaper, yeah. Yeah, and they do, it used to be us doing the block party, but now it's noise pop doing a yeah, block party yeah. during the summer. Yeah, no, that's cool. I went last year. Oh, that was cool. Uh, who played last year that was good? Uh, I can't remember. I mean, I remember <laughs> seeing um, uh, Tao and the Get Down Stay Down two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember. It was somebody. Yeah, somebody did. Somebody memorable. <laughs> there was one band I remember that was like 12-year-old kids up there. That was kind of insane. Oh, wow. They tend to like, at that festival, they tend to like get a little... Um, they take risks. Like there's some there's some stuff that's not, you know, high profile stuff for noise pop to you know, like they do some some stuff that they wouldn't normally do. Risks cool. are fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing from the bigger festivals now. I look at the lineup and I'm like, Nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much mo- it's all about like how much money they can make. I think it's just so expensive right? to do it. You know, I mean Treasure Island's just decided to close doors. Oh, was, was this year the last or last oh, maybe year? That's not, maybe that's not public. I don't know. Ah. But I, I, they, I never went. So as far fine. as I know, it's done. Like I, I talked to um, the promoters recently. Yeah. Because um, they changed locations in Oakland and it was cool. It was really cool. Um, but um, I think they just lost a lot of money. Yeah. It's all down to the money. Well, I'm okay with the small festivals here and there, but the big festival that I really enjoyed was Riot Fest. And I didn't go last year. I went the year before and it was like, I went to, I saw New Order, Ministry, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. So it was more like, you know, kind of like how Warp Tour mixed uh, with like a little bit of 80s in there. Is it a touring there. festival? Um, it used to be. I think now they're just staying in Chicago, but I think before they did like Denver and then they did, I don't know if they did Texas, but they did a couple other spots, you know, over the years, but then they figured out, oh, we'll just stay in one spot. and Yeah, like Lollapalooza did eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about, you know, the idea of going to Europe this summer after our, our record comes out because there's so many festivals there and it's so yeah. easy to do there and they're so calm and just like, 
you know, everybody plays them. Like you go to these things and you'll see like everybody who's on tour at this festival. It's great. Did you ever go to Glastonbury? I've never. No. Oh, me neither. I don't know how I would do it. I mean, it just seems like never ending stages and music and fun. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're in another country, I can tolerate that. Like, like yeah. if I'm here and I have to like race from one stage to the other, yeah. it's like a mob. Like I mm. get claustrophobic right away. There's something about Europeans; they're just like so cool and chill about it that like they people really aren't are. fighting to get up front and stuff. That's yeah. really true. I didn't think about that. Oh, you know what's what's a good one? And what's the one in Barcelona that's really popular? That one sometimes has a really good yeah, lineup. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm not going to be able to recall all these things, but <laughs> I do know there's a festival in Barcelona. Yeah, we'll look it up later, but um, that one, maybe one of these days, I'll make it there. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, what what was it like when you were in Berlin? Um, how would you compare it to uh, San Francisco? Is it definitely, you know, they're kind of out there. Well, Berlin is amazing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. actually pretty cheap compared to the rest of Germany and the rest of Europe because it's, oh, wow. it's this whole like East meets West thing uh-huh, and uh-huh. they're still getting over. It's like there are literally whole buildings that are just, nobody knows who owns it. So it's the people are just squatting there wow. and they've built bars into it and venues into it. Mm-hmm. There's live music everywhere in Berlin. There's also a huge DJ scene, like the biggest probably, um, you know, after hour stuff. So it's like all that's happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just really international. You hear so many languages there. Everybody speaks English. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh-huh. But the, uh, um, it feels sort of like history is everywhere. You just see like, you know, there'll be like a, you know, a statue of, of Stalin, you know, mm-hmm. and then you'll see a Jewish cemetery. And then there's like, you know, the piece of the Berlin Wall that's there still up. And some, sometimes the bars are built right into these places, these bombed out buildings. And there's a bar built in it. So you're like there. And it's like, you, know, you just feel like, the actual history. So I loved it. Um, I was there for maybe two, two and a half months. And, um, that's where I, you know, I'd written a bunch of these songs. Um, I was actually, I lived above a bar called white trash tattoo. (laughs) It's like a venue slash, uh, hamburger joint. Um, it was cool. Yeah. How was the food? (laughs) Well, I mean, everybody eats these Donner kebab things that you, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. on the, you know, from little street carts. Yeah. Um, but like I eat amazing Thai food, you know, mm-hmm. in Berlin, like it's just really international. You get great pizza, everything. Nice. Okay. It's going to be on my list for the next five years. <laughs> it's a very easy place to, um, to go to because it's, it's cheap and you can get, you know, you can stay places cheap and so much to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you were to ha- open for, you know, what, some of the bands that we talked about earlier, The Damned or The Clash are no longer around, obviously, but somebody who's still around, who would you choose? Um, I always thought that our music would go really well with the drums of England. Um, oh, I have to check them out. Sort of like, uh, you know, I've, I'm feeling that um, we would be we can kind of uh, go back and forth between sort of this straight kind of indie rock, mm-hmm. kind of shoegazy um, film school, you know, kind of, kind of music. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also like this real post-punk um, stuff that, that's starting to come out too. Um, you know, if I had, you know, if, if we could go back in time, you know, opening for the Stooges would be yes. amazing for us. You know? I think I saw the last tour that they did, 2011? 
2012. So good. <laughs> he's still, I mean, Iggy's still at it, but it was cool to see like the studios before he decided to work with yeah, yeah. Queens of the Stone Age and all that. I saw that tour with uh, Josh Homme and all that. That was great. And it was like, he said it was his farewell tour, but you know, who knows? Like he'll, he'll come back next year. I mean, he's just like, every time you see him, you're like, he's still full of life. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and he, I guess he's doing, you know, the collaborations, and I think he's like he's actually a, a radio show host in the UK, right? I think I heard that. Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's inspiring. Just cute, you know. There's a, there's a future out he's there. He's you know, there's something superhuman about him. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just the vibe. This I I like this whole like dangerous on like I used to see the Jesus Lizard like back in the day, and like they would like come out in the audience and like punch people and then get back <laughs> on stage. It was like, that was the punk rock that I grew up with was like this sort of, you know, late eighties, early nineties kind of punk rock that, um, you didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Hmm. I mean, it was like, it could be a riot in, in the place. And I feel like every show with the studios must've been like that. I, oh, never, yeah. I never got to see him. I wasn't old enough, but you know, I mean, he was like cutting himself with razor blades on stage, <laughs> like bleeding on the audience and that kind of thing. I think it, it's just. It's what's missing from rock and roll in lots of ways. I think it's become a little too refined, a little. And I, I get there's a there's a you know place in time for bands to, um, you know, not uh, go over the top and just play music. But I like the idea that um, it used to be it used to be a danger factor on stage. Yeah, that that danger factor, the artistry. I would call it artistry. Like, it's not just, you know, they stand there the whole time and look at you and don't even, like, introduce themselves or have a conversation yeah. with the audience. It's just like they show up, they do a job, and then they leave. It's like... There's someone laughing maniacally. In, in <laughs> What's right going on? We want to know. Is it Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Something bad happened. No. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's really hilarious. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on down. Um, did you want to play one more song to close this out? Yeah. Do you want me to play? Should I play a song? Yeah. Yeah, play a song. Okay. That sounds good. And, um, yeah, so if you're just tuning in or listening so at a later time. We'll see how this works. Let's see how this works. But, um, on the EP we came out last year, mm-hmm. there was a, a song called Bottles which is just um, acoustic guitar. And uh, I thought I would try to reproduce it. Oh, 
thinking I'm hurt down too Underneath an empty room Further down a wrecking crew Further still zoo And I don't like being tricked about being alive Kick my body out right next to mine This is not my circus, but I see it coming too. It's a song that's sad, not you. You've been conned. All those faces I never get. All those numbers don't forget. Bottles and bottles for fitting in. Bottles and bottles and bottles. Tragic joke academy Punch drunk misspoke apology And I don't like being tricked about being alive Kick my body out right next to mine Blow the skin of vacuum Underneath an empty room Further down a wrecking crew If I step down off this curve, I might disappear. And if I step down off this curve, I might disappear. Kick my body out right next to mine. Because I don't like being tricked about being alive. See you coming too It's the song that's sad Not you You've been conned All those faces I never get All those numbers Don't forget Bottles and bottles for fitting in Bottles and bottles And bottles and bottles and... I see you coming I see you coming Nice. I was really getting into it. I was like, I want, You're I want to see out. this. I want to see the live show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it was. It was great to finally meet you in person. Yeah. I think it's been more like a an e relationship, an e friendship. Right. We also had to like reschedule a couple times. Yeah, I'm like sorry about that. Things that happened in the world. Yes, I think you had a business trip, yeah. and then my friend had her 40th birthday party. So. My business trip. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, to go to, I had to go to North Carolina. Oh, nice. How was it? It's cool down there. Chapel Hill. That's a cool town. I've never been. Small. Never Great been. barbecue. Good barbecue. Yeah. Lots of live music. Nice. And um, where else would you recommend going? In the world? <laughs> In the world, yeah. Um, Vietnam. It's a travel show. I've never been, but that's my that's that's where I want to go next. I bet the food is really yeah, good. just for that reason alone. I want to go to. No, I, I think like just touring through Vietnam would be like a 
the trip every way. I mean, we're touring like as a tourist. Yeah, it'd be great as a band too. I don't know. Yeah. That's what, I, don't, I don't know if it's a thing. <laughs> Play in the fields. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> have the acoustic setup. I don't going know. They wouldn't. The river. They wouldn't have a like Colonel Kurtz. Like what? Going down the river like Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, that's Am right. I dating myself right now. That's right. That's I, s- I watched it a long time ago, <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> oh, it's gonna be happening soon. So. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on by, and we'll be catching. Let us know when you're going to be playing, and we'll make sure to post that on the site. Look at look for us on the internets. The internets on Facebook is that the right yeah, one? I don't know. Whatever. Just put "Faking on Death" and it'll come out. Faking on Death band. If you just put "Faking on Death," you get a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> People will talk about how to fake their own. Don't death. do it. Put "Faking on Death" band. Yes, do it the right way, and stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio.
Welcome to the new age. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. I am the infamous David fucking Stolowitz. Deal with it, assholes. This is Watch and Learn Open Mic. Capital Pilcrow is off seeing Tom Segura. Mostly listening to stories. Probably having a really good time. The new age didn't turn out exactly the way we thought it would. There were no unicorns. There were no ascended masters descending and filling our hearts with love and light and fluffy bunnies. It's not that bright. So we are gathered here tonight to try to make it a little brighter, even if it doesn't go the way we all thought it would. We have a lovely lineup. When it's two o'clock on a Wednesday and you hear the trippy music. You know what time it is, Mutiny Radio listener. It is time for some call me Tim. I will never time that right. I try to time it with that weird vroom. And I've been doing this show for three years and I still can't figure it out. Some call me Tim here. First show, the new year. I am joined by soon-to-be famous comedian Anthony Zaccaro. Oh, thank you. Yay! (laughs) Glad glad to be here. Yeah, super awesome to have you here. Um, Some call me Tim, the show where we talk about God and stuff. Uh, Did you watch The Holy Grail as a child? Um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I was, enjoyed it. Was that? A, was it a big part of your cultural upbringing or no? Uh, yeah, my both of my parents uh, raised me uh, Catholic, which is like a, a Christian undergrad or sure. like a Christian yeah. grad school. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, ca- Catholic is like um, you drink out of Grail, so you have cups. Yeah. You kneel a lot. Yeah. There's symbols. You genuflect, which is genuflect. the which is the very weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different like position switching in in a, a Catholic Church. Ironically, not in any other area of your life if you're part of the Catholic Church. Stand, uh, sit, kneel, 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 kneel. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the people that um, are they get like. Uh, solidified in the in the position they they think oh if i kneel longer once everyone sits down when it's not your time i'm kneeling still like look how devoted i am Ooh. and then there's like these little tiny comp- silent competitions that go through i remember really yeah and then there was a there was a guy that would stand for most of the service just because he was like you know that respectful um, is it is it a martyrdom thing is it a connecting more deeply with Christ's sacrifice kind of thing? If it's a martyrdom thing, that's really sad because martyrs gave their lives and you're just standing for an hour and a half. Like there's no, I don't. It's an American martyrdom. We're not, we're not into into giving up much. It's like Occupy Wall Street of martyrdom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But was it a big part of your upbringing or? uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, look deep into the eyes of sparkle Jesus. Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Um, I, uh, I believe Jesus was a person. He probably did not look like that or <laughs> any, anything close to Jim Caviezel. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, there's no way he was born where he was born, uh, and looked like that. He, he sure. would need, uh, yeah, SPF a hundred. Yeah. And he has rosy he, cheeks there. They're very sexy, rosy cheeks. Yeah. He's like, he's like a live TV ready in yeah, that. Guy. Yeah. He's got the, the rouge and yeah. And everything. Yeah. Um, Green but eyes. yeah, he probably was a guy. Um, 
don't yeah don't think he looks anything like that um he, he was was he the son of god probably probably not probably not um, does god exist that's that's quite the that's quite the, um i i don't think so. i think it would be very easy for him to let us know that mm. he he does cuz like that's that's what was my weird thing with like prophets and people that have claimed to talk to god is that he always he always goes to them in private it's always a secret like you're the messiah don't tell anybody you sure. know just i even though he could just you know hit reply all um, and talk to all of us. That's true. I, uh, well, now I've seen God. Okay. I've talked to God. I was also on acid at the time. <laughs> yes. But I, yeah, yeah. when I was inside a, a large disco ball, uh, the the stars at night had turned into uh, an a normal, an enormous disco ball that I was inside of. Mm-hmm. And then God came and talked to me, and said, uh, "Chill the fuck out. Like you can mm-hmm. totally calm down a lot." your extra stress that you put on yourself nobody's paying attention like i'm not even paying attention he like high five me he's like it's cool girl like everything's cool like don't worry about it and i was like dude yeah you know because i was in san diego at the time and i was like 19 and it was it was great so i had a personal experience with God and he was like a man and he was in flowing robes and he did come down and high five me like sort of like cool Jesus like like buddy Christ like it was kind of like that except he had gray white long white hair oh yeah he's oldest he's old as hell yeah excuse me but no wrinkles no wrinkles oh no he came down he was like a majestic like I don't want to say Charlton Heston-esque but like he had flowing hair and robes and he came down he was like it's cool chill out so it could have been a guy from the beach that i just like or, misinterpreted because i was on so much acid for the first time could have been matt gubzer as well yeah i was gonna i was on a roast battle with him um and but he he didn't end up showing up and so i have now i just in my phone i have like 10 matt gubzer <laughs> jokes um <laughs> But yeah, and that's how it, that's how it works too, because like uh, with all the uh, yeah, um, um, oh to connect that back to religion roasting, uh, burning at the stake. There we go. Now we're Ooh, back. Ooh, sweet. Yeah. Now we're back. You're a witch. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're so clever though. You are the best. You hosted Happy Hour a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was just tickled at how you every single person you had a great. You're just so quick. Like, you, you're so quick. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, even the people that weren't there um, that are now banned. <laughs> yeah, because you Because pre- you pre-signed. But yeah, uh, oh no, it's just my favorite. Uh, it's just my favorite thing. Um, it's something that... Uh, it's something that I've done with my friends, like, all the time. Where did it come from? Why are you so good at making fun of people? But in a way that doesn't make them feel like shit. Like, where did you learn this like this charming skill well it's just uh when when i was in went from middle school to high school um i i went to i was i went to a middle school where nobody from my middle school went to the high school oh, me too. very very few except for my brother and maybe one other friend um and it was a bigger high school than uh, i went to a very small catholic middle school mm. um that had like just opened so we had like a new principal every year it was kind of yeah. like the defense against the dark arts teacher you know just kind of sure. dies out every year um but yeah and then uh then when i got into high school i just said 
every joke that popped into my head, whether it was an insult or any kind of joke. Um, and so, for what reason though, to get attention, or because it was such a big school, you wanted to, de- like, you want to differentiate yourself? Because that's how I thought I made. F- that, that's how I thought you made friends. It was by being funny. Yeah, yeah, and so. But that's, where did that come from? Why did you feel the need to be funny, and why did you rely on that, even at such a young age? You're 14. You're just out of junior high. Because I, uh, I definitely like got a. A very interesting genetic roll of the dice around middle school because I was kind of I was kind of overweight. I had bad skin and I was on Accutane at the time, All right, yeah. which uh, is the 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 drug that uh, if girls get pregnant on it, it on they, the back of every pill yeah. it has a no babies. It's yeah. so great. My roommate was on it and I used to save them because I was like I want this for an art project. And you peel off the little thingy and it's it's a little round nubbin and it's a no pregnant with the, a dicker. The most most warnings you will ever see on anything it's were so for great. that. Yeah, the, the little anti-pregnancy with the real red thing and the slash. I used to just laugh and laugh. You had to peel those off every day. Yeah, yeah, and then it, uh, it's yeah, it's it's crazy, it's crazy. And then also the 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 really messed up thing was that um, it it was in like. Uh, um, the side effects were just as bad as having acne. Like wow. it got rid of the acne, but uh, my my lips were just like two ashtrays. Like they were just oh. so so dry. It made my joints hurt. Like all this stuff. Um, and then I also had uh, my current hair, but smaller and like tighter curls. Oh, so I had uh, yeah. And then what movie came out? Super bad. Oh so, wow. Super bad. And caused, you were a little portly, so they were calling you. They, ca- they were calling me Jonah Hill. Jonah and, Hill. Yeah. And, and he's very funny, so you became funny. Probably that's how, but mainly, mainly it was me trying to get on the same level as the the people that, um, you know, were cool in sure. in high school, and then that's kind of where I was throughout all of high school. I was just kind of the the popular kid's court gesture. Right? Was, wow! Yeah. You were the fool. You were the Shakespearean fool. You were telling them the truth that they couldn't handle from other people. Right, and right. You were, but you were doing because you're like, look at my wacky hair. Yeah, yeah. Like I could, I could make fun of them in a way that no one. I realized I could make fun of them in ways that not other people could. Right. Um, sure. Like this one football player, very popular football player, was uh, um, making fun of uh, this one kid for acting kind of, um, you know, let's yeah, acting Goofy. gay. Acting gay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, and I just like looked at him straight in the eyes, and I was like, well, there's, there's multiple kinds of gay people. There's the ones that are pretty obvious then there's the ones that you know play football work out all the time and make fun of other people for being gay and i just like kept going and describing him and then he kind of he kind of like started to turn his head and i was like oh maybe i'm pushing this thing too far wow. <laughs> but, yeah. but then yeah so that's and then uh in don't co- take down the king right right and then and definitely in college uh my friends and i we started doing um uh shows at my uh my friend's house um and, and these are your first comedy shows uh, were you not, doing stand-up, or were you just making fun of people in front of other people? Oh, no, this was, uh, yeah, so this was uh, just uh, two years ago, so I was doing okay. stand-up for oh, a little okay. bit. Okay, okay. Um, and then uh, we started doing these shows, and uh, during these shows, it was kind of more uh, laid back, so we would roast, and we would, like, do kind of crowd work, because it was just in our house. Yeah. Um, and then um, one year, my friend did a roast for my birthday, and then we've done that uh, at least three or four times since then. So just a lot of practice writing roast jokes, and also recognizing that there's a format to a roast joke, uh, which, which is, uh, 
you look like this if this happened to them. Right. You know, like uh, I use a lot of examples with myself. Like I look like Seth Rogen mugged you and I'm the police sketch. Right. Like, right. right. Like Paul that. Giamatti. That's what my boyfriend today remembered. He's like, yeah, Anthony Zuccaro, Paul Giamatti and somebody had a baby. Right. What's right. the joke? It's like you actually say that you're Paul Giamatti and someone else's love child or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a lot of different. Uh, <laughs> you just switch or, it up. You're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Paul Giamatti and anybody. But, but that's <laughs> the, the beauty of a roast joke is t- saying an insult to someone that the audience hasn't really thought of yet. But then it's kind of like uh, when you're relating like in regular stand up, when you're just having a relatable joke where someone goes, oh, I do that. But sure. instead of that, you're trying to predict oh what do, what does the audience think about this person already wow yeah, yeah it's like a chess game you did a really good job of answering my question but going around the around it and then coming back to it so can i give you my thought of why i think you got into comedy in junior high sure, i don't know you sure. very well but i did meet your twin brother Oh, yeah. yeah. Your fraternal that, twin brother. That's true. Who looks really different than you do. Yeah, he's a very was, attractive Was man. he yeah. always blessed with um, the tallness and the model good looks and the... Oh, yeah. Or was oh, yeah. he... So you're on Accutane and he's not... No braces. No braces? No, no glasses either. I also had bad vision since I was like 12. And all right. Then, yeah, so he... Uh, Took all of the good did, genes. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're twins, and he just <laughs> he just split it down. Not that you're bad, dude. You have great genes. You're awesome. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, he just like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, he got uh, just one big recessive, and then he, he got, you know, everything. Um, but yeah, he got, you know, jaw, the natural, uh, like, yeah, bone structure. His hair's even straight. Yeah, his hair's straight. Mine is not. Yeah, and um, yeah, just all the way down the line. He never, he never really had to w- deal with acne. I mean, he had like the natural teenage amount, but yeah, he never. Like every once in a while, he get. But he didn't need, you know, a clinical trial medication for it. You know, <laughs> like I did. Um, and then that was also the messed up thing about like taking Accutane was that it would dry out my skin, and then people were like, you know, would make uh, you know, Lizard come on your face jokes yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and uh, yeah. I I got I got bullied for that and then sure. so basically I um I'm probably good at roasting out of necessity from getting verbally you know yeah in that way assaulted since from birth see I was um I was always taught that um it, people uh ugly people get personalities well but I I just was like I don't mean it like that because I feel the same way I'm like thank god I have a personality but when I was in junior high and high school I was I was portly and I was made fun of and it was I was never pretty enough and now I look back and I'm like I was a really pretty person like I wasn't an ugly person Mm -hmm. I'm like I can't even believe that I had spent so much time like worrying about my physical appearance when I could have been making fun of other people and being clever but um like I just it's you get you you gain personality through that like through that Mm -hmm. kind of experience of being bullied and then eventually you become a comedian. I think that's yeah. just what ends up happening. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a very there's a very fine line between like a uh, comedian and like the uh, the old kind of serial killer. Yeah, which is which is that it's it's just it's just the if you if your childhood stopped right before the line of you know very dark. Right. You know, there's sure. like a. 
there's like a like serial killers like well, like a serial killer grows up and like kills female chefs because his mom beat him with a frying pan. You know, it connects right. sure, back sure, to sure, the child. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like the comedian version of that guy, his mom would just verbally abuse him <laughs> from the kitchen or something. Right. But yeah. So the yeah, there's a very there's a very fine line there. I feel like uh, if a comedian just had one more thing happen to them, if they had to, you know, under murder the age of 10, a rat or yeah, or like chop the head off a bird or like there's it would just right. take one like bloody incident like yeah of some kind and then whoops you took the turn to serial killer tom segura tom segura has a great line where it's like comedians and serial killers are very similar in the way that if you see another comedian you're like i respect what you do i don't do it the same way but oh game recognizes game yes exactly (laughs) exactly very true well the audience does the one thing i do believe in with comedy that always I always have to remind myself because I can get down on myself in this comparative, competitive thing that can happen with comedians. And it doesn't have to be that way if you have this mindset that the audience has an infinite ability to laugh Mm. and you and I can do it totally differently. Therefore, there is no competition because really we should be collaboratively thinking about the whole night and trying to make the audience laugh in as many ways as possible. So as a booker, right, right. so as a booker, it takes it off. This is a person I think who's funny. This is a person I think who's funnier. It's not that. It's in what way are they going to make the audience laugh, and do I want that for this show? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then, as a comedian, it becomes, well, how many different audiences, and how can our material so that we don't get seen in just this one way? Like I only know how to make the audience laugh this way, or you don't want to get pigeonholed, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I don't think audiences. Um think about how because we're always worried about following someone that killed right um but i don't think audiences see that as much as like oh this guy killed and now this this person is not as good but they feel it a little bit but it's not i don't think it's as conscious as we worry about sure uh, but if there's if there's if someone kills the person who's going next i try to make sure that they're not exactly the same for example mm -hmm. i wouldn't put Who's another roast person that I'd be like? I, um, Clay does them a lot. Clay, but I'm thinking like maybe like Charlie Spink. No, you guys are so different. He could do puns all day and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, like let's say that Clay Newman and then you. You guys kind of even look. You look a little yeah, similar. Yeah, that's, that's happened. Yeah. So you've got the kind of hair thing, and yeah. and there's you have kind of a similar energy. I wouldn't do that. I'd hmm. switch it up and I'd put like a female there or, you know. I hate prop comics, but I don't know. Like, but there's, but sometimes the audiences love prop. I mean, and some audiences maybe they don't like roast jokes. I'm sure that you've been in places where you're like doing your crowd work and you offend someone and oh, they're yeah, pissed yeah. at you. Or, but the good thing is usually if I'm going at an audience member in that way, in that roasting way, the yeah. audience is also doesn't like them too right. because they've interrupted the show or something. Right, right. Because uh, so it's, it's a heckle roast. That's a great way to get out of heckling, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's the that's the only way I know how. Right, like, right. Yeah, that happened at Maggie and McGarry's a little while ago. I I have this joke about how uh, the only the only time white men ever get 
police attention is if their wife goes missing. That's the that's every, and those <laughs> or true if crime a serial shows. killer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or uh, yeah. You know the they took them on the the last life insurance policy cruise or something like that. But yeah. So I have that joke and I say so that you know my girlfriend if she ever gets in a tragic accident I, I'll have alibis ready because sometimes the girlfriend will get in a tragic accident and then the husband gets blamed still you know. Um, and so I had then that I won't do the whole thing but it leads to me saying I'd be okay if my girlfriend died and then this woman <laughs> shouts out in the audience she goes uh, she, she says I lost my daughter <laughs> and then, yeah and everyone just kind of goes silent I'm like what are you doing here go find her uh, and then, uh, yeah but she had been yelling out before and she was also for some reason she was filming the open the Maggie's open mic on a digital camera uh-huh. Um, which I which I made fun of her for. I said that's like painting a mural of a trash can. <laughs> it's like why are you filming an open mic on a digital camera? Um, and then she had a she had a fedora and like a cam uh, not a, a cheetah print vest. So I called her Carmen San Jose. And, I know who it is. Uh, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, because she's sort of a comic, but not a comic, but she tries to, she's on bacon a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, yeah. I, well, I she, she had a rough time that night. Um, and while the crowd, while, while the crowd is dying, um, from what, something I said, she kept on saying like, uh, like, uh, she kept on trying to speak and I was like, you don't want to do this. You, you don't want to do this. And then, yeah. So basically my, I did like two extra minutes because, That's uh, rad. yeah, Austin was just like I gotta Rolling. keep this going yeah yeah um, so that was that was the audience was like 